Happy New Year! This is Box Office Culture, and we are excited to start off the new year by looking back at some of the favorite things from 2023 and some of the things we're most looking forward to in 2024. We're talking movies, we're talking music, we're talking television, we're talking gaming, we're talking a little bit of all of our pop culture favorite things. All that and more coming up on Box Office Culture. Okay, joining me today, again, for God knows how many times now, Lee Metzger. Yeah, I I, I was pretty sure that last episode was my last one, so I'm back, I'm here, and you know what? I'm actually glad to be here, because I'm excited about some of the things that I have to share with you today. Yeah, we run this podcast like the Godfather movies. You, you don't get out. I really expected to be, especially the way that last time ended uh, once once the recording stopped. But um, I'm back. So here we are. You're back. And joining us again as she tries to exit the door, Misty Blue. Hello. And today, all three of us are going to talk about some of our favorite things from the past year. It's a new year. It's 2024. There's a lot to look forward to. But we, we haven't done a recap episode. Um, and this isn't the kind of episode where we're like, here's our top 10 films of 2023. Here's the top five songs of 2023. We're not doing that. We're talking about our three favorite things, and they can be anything pop culture related, of course. And uh, we're also going to throw in a bonus there when we talk about 2023. And we're going we're gonna to find the moment of joy, the moment in media that brought us the most joy, personally. We're going to talk about all of that, and we are then going to look forward to 2024. We're each going to come with three picks of things that we're excited about, Um, and hopefully they're all very different things, and we're not talking about the same thing. And We're all very different people, so I think that's going to be the case. So let's start with 2023. Um, I guess let's start with you, Lee. Mm -hmm. What's your first... Favorite thing from 2023? Uh, well, the first thing that I that um, I want to talk about um, is the thing that I spent the most time on this year, which is Baldur's Gate three. Um, I am a big old nerd, as as you can a specific type of nerd, and all of us are nerds here. Um, How dare you? Some of sometimes sometimes <laughs> our Venn diagram overlaps, sometimes it doesn't, um, but I, uh, I, I'm, I've been playing D and D for over 10 years. Um, I've been playing video games for much, much longer than that. And when Baldur's Gate three came out, I, uh, I, I lost my damn mind. Um, to be honest, I, um, I played the original Baldur's Gate. Uh, I was a little bit late to that game. I played the original one on an iPad and it was awful. This was like before, before, um, uh, Apple pencils came around. So it was like an incredibly difficult interface, but it was super, super enjoyable. And, um, and I also played, uh, similar games to Baldur's Gate three, cause it's made by this company, Larian, which also made Divinity Original Sin and Divinity Original Sin two. And I played both of those games and those games are fabulous. So when this came out, I was blown away. I put in 
like 300 hours with my first playthrough because I had to do, if you're not familiar with this game, Baldur's Gate is a Dungeons and Dragons based game. It's based in the, in the Forgotten Realms in the titular town or the, the, the main part of the video game takes place in Baldur's Gate, but you explore the other, uh, a couple of different areas of the Sword Coast um, in Faerun. Um, it is a, uh, I believe they call it an isometric game. So it's like top down, um, you kind of run yourself around and then you, you gain um, party members that can do different things. Uh, you try to create like a, uh, you know, the party composition like any good D&D group should have of uh, like, you know, a, a wizard, a fighter, a, a rogue and a cleric um and uh and the game's incredible uh, the the depth of the game is is w- truly one of a kind i haven't played a game this much um since skyrim came out in 2011 damn yeah so it's been it's it's been that it's been that way for or uh, like that was the last time that i that i played a game this much which actually funny enough um when skyrim came out uh, that was a direct path to me dropping out of college for the second time. Um, it was like a, what do you want to do here, man? Like, you want to continue to go to Eastern Connecticut State University for general studies, or do you want to work as a delivery driver and spend eleven hours a day on Skyrim? And the, for me, the decision was easy. Um, but that is definitely where I began my list. Okay. Are you still playing this game? I am in the middle of waiting for other people to finish their playthroughs because it is a, it, it's a multiplayer game. Um, oh, I, I didn't know that. That's oh yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. So I'm waiting for other people to finish their run through so that then we can have a goof, a goof campaign. Nice. Nice. Do you feel like it's come like full circle in a way you've already graduated college or now investing in another game yeah that's interesting like i like i earned this and now because i i I have just recently gone back to school and finished my matriculation and (laughs) and now i've earned this this uh you know this playthrough that's an interesting aspect to it i think so and you're going back to school yet again so the cycle continues i Mm -hmm. mean what next game is coming out that you can drop out for do we know well let's save that for our 2024 yeah 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 we'll save that for later (laughs) in the list Misty, what is your first favorite thing from 2023? So when Tony approached me to be on this podcast, the first thing he said was, do you watch more than just anime? <laughs> it was a fair question. It's a fair question. It, it, it is a very fair question. So um, I would chose something specific and I went with the One Piece live action mm. that came out. I see what you did there. Oh, yes. You <laughs> Thank you. Um, it covers the whole East Blue saga, which is basically covers so much. Uh, One Piece is the most popular anime to date. Um, Oda, who is the creator of One Piece, has kept it locked and sealed. There are only three people on his personal staff that know the secret, just in case anything happens to him. Um, what 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 do you mean? What is what secret? I don't know anything about this. You mean you mean plot secrets? You mean like where this? I all mean the leads. end game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I got you. Okay. So I, it's an ongoing series. Yes. Unlike J.J. Abrams, 
They yeah, actually have just, it all planned out. Don't worry about what's in the box. Yeah, the, the it's box a is, secret. Yeah, it's a sealed box, and I swear it goes somewhere. It goes somewhere. I didn't, okay. I just always assume that everybody knows what One Piece is. No. So that's surprising. All right. Oh, One Piece is about pirates. And it's about, it's not your everyday rough, gruff, we're going to pillage, we're going to kill people pirates. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's uplifting. Um, this anime doesn't take shortcuts and follows its rules, which I think is very important in anime. Mm. They don't break their own rules, which you see so often. And they're very strict about it. Like something that happened in the very first beginning, like maybe like the second episode, you'll see an episode like 300. Interesting. So like you're talking about when you talk about like rules and stuff, like Dragon Ball Z kind of dealt with power creep, right? Where like these these entities kept on just their power level kept going up and up and up and up. And it was like an arms race with with itself almost. Yeah, there's uh, mm, Dragon Ball. I have a lot of opinions on that. <laughs> I don't. I, I would. I don't want to get you started because this podcast might end up being a totally different thing. Oh yes, that's why I'm like I'm trying to be a little cautious because I'm like, so, oh, One Piece is the Netflix show, the live action Netflix show. Yes, and you liked it. It was amazing. It was well done. It, do, do you think it's one of the better live action boot reboots or? It's the best of an anime. Really, the best. It is the best. Nothing can compare. Okay. If anything, other studios should be using this as their format because the costumes were on point without being ridiculous. The setting was on point without being ridiculous. Like you have, uh, this isn't a spoiler because it's at the very beginning, but you run into characters who you could say are shark people, Mm. and they do not look silly. Like their prosthetics. They. Jeez. And thank you, folks, yeah. for joining Box Office Culture. <laughs> um, there's Buggy, who's a clown. And a big thing in One Piece is some kind of dum-dum fruit. It doesn't taste good. It has a weird shape. And it takes away your ability to swim. Because mm. it's considered that you're turning your back on the ocean. So uh, Buggy, who's one of the main villains, he ha- the specific fruit he ate means his body can come apart. God. And they did such an amazing job with that. Like it looked stunning. It was phenomenal. Um, Luffy is the main character, and Oda, the creator of One Piece, hadded this crew, the live action crew, and said, "This, this is who needed Hand-picked. to be." It was perfect. Um, Luffy stretches. He's like a, a rubber man, so it's very fun getting to watch and see these ridiculous arm stretches from far away. Or he blows up in a sense, like puts his thumb in his mouth and makes his stomach really big and a cannon ball hits him and he sh- bounces it back, which is a huge scene to, to see. It was absolutely beautiful, stunning. The cinematography was great. You could watch this one piece uh, Netflix live action season and skip the whole series of the East, like the whole part of the East Blue. Wow. And is it coming back for season two? Yes, it is. Nice, nice. So my first pick is also a TV show um, on Apple TV. It's the show Silo, which I, I am a big post-apocalyptic nerd. I love post-apocalyptic films, and this is a kind of a bunker-based uh, show based on a, a trilogy book series by Hugh Howey called Silo, um, which I had not read, and then I watched this season and said, oh my God, I need to read the rest of this. And I ha- now I've read all of it because I can't wait until another season comes out. Uh, the show was fantastic, really well-produced, 
Um, it stars Rebecca Ferguson. She's one of these people, one of these thousands of people who live in this really big, deep bunker. Um, and, you know, most of the conflict takes place, as you'd expect, with people with kind of the social systems and political systems within this bunker and then people trying to figure out what's outside. And um, the way it's constructed, the way it, it unravels itself as a mystery. And I, re- I read the first book, too, um, because the, the first season... I think is about two thirds of the first book. So I, I read the first book and I, I have to say the way this show unravels the mystery and everything is a lot different than the book and they pull it off. I thought a little better than the book. Um, but this coming year we have, and this isn't on my list or anything, but we have the fallout series coming to, to prime video. Oh yeah. The live action fallout series, which the first trailer looked fantastic. Um, again, a lot of that's going to be bunker based as well, but this one was really high, really, it was a drama, but it's really well done. Uh, you watch this show. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I mainlined it. Tim Robbins co-stars in it. Um, common co-stars in it. It's just a really good show. It was surprising. It seemed like something that was right up my alley and it, it, you know, of all the shows I watched this year, I think it was the one show more than any other that week to week because it was released week to week. I couldn't just binge it at once. Oh, that's the best and worst feeling. I love it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I I am sick of shows being released all at once because I love the anticipation, but even more so, I love sitting with an episode for a week and thinking about it yep. and seething and thinking like, oh my God, they left on a cliffhanger. It, it allows your mind- power that it, way too. It does. It, it, it does. It sits with you longer. The characters become more important to you. And it becomes less of a throwaway, you know, Netflix kind of pioneered the whole thing of like, we're going to dump everything all at once, but then you have to create so much content. Um, and I, I started to miss that. So I love that Apple, a lot of the, even Netflix now is doing this a little bit, releasing episode to episode. Um, but for this one, it, because it's kind of mystery based in a way, it really played out well. And at, at the end, I was losing my mind so much. That I couldn't wait. So mm-hmm. I did, I, like I said, I read the books. But Rebecca Ferguson, amazing. Tim Robbins is great. Yeah. Um, I, I can't, I, I think it's my favorite show of 2023. Um, so check it out, Silo. Um, to touch back on what you said about it being episode to episode, I love when that happens. Like, I also hate it on the inside because it's like, I want more. But yeah. Yeah. when it is episode per episode, I love the conversations that you get to have with the other fans oh. it's, it's it's water cooler talk it, right? you know what it, yeah it's, it's what cable exactly was. it's like did you see sopranos last night it was that was like the pinnacle of the conversations in that time yep and we've lost that now because everybody's watching different shows at the same time mm-hmm. and there's some shows that are a little more universal but there's there's i'd argue there's too much content out there right now um yeah. for any of us to all gravitate towards one thing that we're sharing so when you find things that you can share a little easier because of the way they're released, I love that. I feel like when you get in that kind of situation, you're able to do watch parties. Yeah. So you can try and like, okay, well, we know it's coming out this day, so we mm-hmm. can all meet up. Let's watch it together. And then you can have the conversation after. And I definitely have missed that because now it's like when you can binge it, you don't pause it to talk about it. You just watch all of it. And, yep. and the people that you're talking to or trying to talk to about it are on a different episode. You're on a different timeline. Totally. So you, exactly. you can't talk about it. The last time I did one of those was Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. When Game of Thrones was originally coming out, I was in college and we would all go to 
the house, uh, my friend's house, which we called hipster hell. And we would go and we would, um, as soon as the, uh, episode was over, like it, it would, you know, it, it would drop in a, like on HBO at like nine o'clock and then at 10 o'clock it was available on the internet if you knew where to look and we would watch it. And then afterwards we would just, you know, that's the rest of the night was just like me and like, you know, six or seven other people just talking Game of Thrones for the rest of the evening. Yeah, it's fun. That's what I love about serialized television, mm-hmm. like the kind of show um, that's not procedural. It's not weak. You know, you, it's not the kind of show you can watch any week and it doesn't matter. They don't blend. I love the build out. Of, that's what I love about television in general is the slow build, yep. the slow development of characters, the ability to develop them more. And Game of Thrones was awesome at that until the end when they sped everything up. Yep. All right, Lee, what is your next pick for 2023? Uh, I'm going to continue with my uh, uh, my theme with my my next thing from 2023 is a movie. It was the Dungeons and Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. Keeping it nerdy. Like it? Yeah. I My brand. Um, it was incredible. And uh, I, have, I have seen the other D&D programs that have been that have that have come out and i was really nervous coming um into watching d the D movie because i was like oh here's another opportunity for the thing that i love to flop and everyone to dunk on it and hate it and it's gonna suck you don't like the jeremy irons uh yeah Dungeons and dragons with movie? that the horrible cgi um oh, dragons that are like it's an all-timer. Fading in and out of the green screen behind them. So good. Yeah. Yeah, for some reason that didn't click with me. So what did you like about this this new movie? Well, I loved that you could really tell that the people who made it love it. The directors, John da- uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, um, they are lifelong uh, D&D players. John Francis Daly, you'll know, you'll recognize from Freaks and Geeks, I believe. And he was also in Waiting, I believe. That's a Freaks and Geeks is a hard throwback. Yeah, um, but he's a he's a he's an old school nerd. And then um, the cast is fabulous: Sophia Lillis, Daisy Head, Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae Jean Page, and Justice Smith. Just off the top of my head, um, and uh, but it was just it, it was it was fabulous. And I think that that coupled with the amount of like they're in town there is a a group there's a D group um of kids that meets at the westerly public library and we were able to kind of coordinate so that um the day that it dropped the entire D group youth group from the library walked on over and they were decked out the day before it dropped the day before. Yeah, special sneak preview. Excellent. And um, I dressed up, obviously. Uh, and then we had like all these kids. And I remember one of the kids came in and he was, um, he's a cleric of the, uh, uh, of garlic. I think he was like a, a gar- he was, you know, a cloistered member of the garlic clove. And I, I just, I love, I love strong choices in D&D. And that is such a strong choice. That I was just like, man, I wish I could play D and D with this kid. I just, I want to live in that world. But um, just seeing all those, all the youth come out and feel supported by us, like we were able to be like, you are welcome here, you are valid here, 
and let's go in here and like cheer at the screen while we watch Chris Pine knock his knees as he runs to catch <laughs> up with Justice Smith. It was fabulous. Who um are you able like which character from the D and D movie do you relate more to as a D and D player? Um, probably. Uh, man, that's tough. Probably Justice Smith's character. He's the sorcerer who um kind of sucks at what he does. Um, oh, I love that. And is kind of like would love to be the suave, like confident one, but tends to always. Not like just not have not have it, not have it together enough. I think that's kind of that's that that's kind of where I I usually find myself in D and D. I my I always I always play clerics. I always play clerics because I need to be needed, and um and uh I I think that's that's kind of where I land. Misty, what is your number two, twenty twenty three? So my number two pick, I'm not sure if either of you have seen this movie. It's called uh, No One Will Save You. Hmm. Uh, this sounds familiar to me. So it's... Uh, I don't think I've seen it, but it sounds Alien familiar. Invasion oh, mixed yeah, with yeah, a yeah. home invasion. I didn't see this. This is the Hulu oh, movie. There's no dialogue, right? Yes. There, there's about two sentences of dialogue yes. throughout the whole movie. I wanted to see this. I never ended up watching it. It's on Hulu, right? It's really good. Yes. I need to see this. Yeah. Um, I heard it's great. I... I personally always get like I don't I always get a little annoyed with the Oscars because I feel like there's not enough horror there's never horror and there's never like really good sci-fi yeah and I feel like they're so underrated this movie is amazing it's great the fact that there's no dialogue makes it so much stronger and the impact of the movie and it it's a very happy sad movie mm. um I love the design of the aliens and it leaves a lot to the viewer to figure out like it doesn't talk down to its audience which i appreciated oh. is it genuinely terrifying no okay but it's All fun right. it's fun okay. and there are definitely moments that without spoilers could make your skin crawl okay right. nice um and it ends on such a you you meet the main character and you view everything like from her perspective and the fact that she's so lonely is is heartbreaking you find out why uh they go through uh i think my favorite part was the home invasion itself mm. because you can see her like boiling water and not knowing what to do and it's like well what you never know how you're going to handle that sort of yeah. situation especially when it's not humans um the aliens are also very amazing in the sense of they don't understand her like she is an odd like she is alienated from her hometown and her community and the aliens kind of accept her so you get to kind of explore a lot of your own emotions with uh remorse and guilt your own type of healing and i love the title because no one did save her she was mm. not saved if she just exists in this world now where there are aliens everywhere it was phenomenal. I highly suggest it. Yeah, it's on my list. I definitely want to check it out. Um, all right. My third, my third. We're on number two, right? Um, my second here is a specific, this is a specific pull. This isn't like a movie or a TV show. It's a moment from one. Mm. Is the Ken song from Barbie. Mm. Um, first of all, Aww. I love the Barbie movie. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Hands down. Super clever. 
they they took what could have been a disaster of a premise and really nailed it. It also is the highest grossing movie of the year. Um, just a win across the board for everyone. Greta Gerwig, everybody. Um, Margot Robbie's performance, amazing. But the standout moment in the movie for me was was the Ken song. Ryan Gosling singing this "I'm Just Ken" song, which is in my mind the funniest moment of the movie. Um, it's the goofiest moment of the movie. It's the most, un- it was, when I first saw it, it was the most unexpected moment too. Um, because it's a whole song and dance number, expertly choreographed and just silly in knowing what it is. But Ryan Gosling's performance specifically in this song, the way he's like really a ham and just hamming it up with his facial expressions and interactions with all the other characters. It just, I loved, I just, it, it was such a fun moment and i saw the movie like three times in theaters and that was my favorite moment every single time i mean i was i left the theater singing the song and it's also a smart song Mm. because it's it's about you know um the arrogance of man and this pompousness of the character of ken who represents you know the patriarchy and um it's just it was wonderfully satirical and i love satire and i thought it was a really it was the strongest piece of satire in the movie for me. Were you a Ryan Gosling fan before? No. I love the movie Drive. I thought that movie was great, but I'm not like, I hate the notebook. I'm sorry. I just hate the notebook. Yes. Well, you were, you. I remember you saying the big reason that you don't like the notebook is because they forced um, Ryan Gosling to cover his beautiful baby blue eyes with brown contact lenses, right? They, yeah, that's it. Exactly. That was your yeah, big. That was your big. Hundred percent. It. No, I just didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Um, I don't love romance. Uh, Misty is. I'm shocked here. <laughs> I only special edition box yes. set that came with envelopes the and the little house cut, stickers. The I own everything. Cut. I yeah. love the Notebook. I love making people watch the Notebook because everyone either likes or hates this movie. And I specifically, you see men hate this movie more than women. And I just think that's funny. Yeah. I don't I wonder why. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah, it never did it for me. Anyway. Yeah. Tony, go ahead and talk about wh- how your favorite part of the Barbie movie was the guy. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's fair. I see. I thought of this and I knew you were going to call me out on this. Um, <laughs> the, the Kennergy. I, I just think <laughs> big, I th- big Kennergy. I think that, the film is a satire in a successful way. Yeah. In a time where we can't really do much satire these days, because even the Barbie movie, people take offense to. Yeah. You know, these these people that are so insecure in their own selves and lives. But, you know, we're living in the day and age where Onion articles were taken as fact. You yeah. know, satire is not what it used to be. So any chance I see a director taking a swing for... For satire and an actor like Ryan Gosling saying, I kn- this role is hilarious. This mm-hmm. is amazing. And I don't know how true this is. I haven't read enough on it, but I heard that he co-wrote that song mm. um, and he's responsible for a lot of that song and what it became. Um, I don't know. It, it was a standout moment because it's the silliest moment. And I love musicals and I just, it, I don't know. I it's love like the whole do. movie. I do. Um, but that that song was just the pinnacle of it for me. I love the positive energy from the male audience that have totally. seen Barbie, where the positivity coming and the confidence that has come from it is amazing. I love seeing guys who have the Kennergy sweaters or 
men who just went and got the tattoo who are like, no, I love this movie. You saw fathers bringing their daughters coming in to watch it and who just could have cared less leaving the movie, like singing the song. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the song is kind of a way to frame the, the absurdity of the patriarchy. And as, as a man, like you look at that and you appreciate it and you accept it and you laugh with it because you know how stupid and absurd all of this is. The, the machismo and all of that. And to see it played out as a song and dance number is just, it feels really fun. And, and I don't know. It was, it was a good moment. All right, let's jump to three, but I'm going to say. Fighting round? We were going to talk 20, 23 and 24. I think we're going longer than expected. I think we're going to split our 2024 talk into another episode. I think that's right. Because I think we're going to go too long otherwise. So we're Sounds just like going a pretty talk. good idea. Almost like maybe a producer came up with that idea before we huh. even sat down to record. Yeah, but that's not true. I just came up with it right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, it's recorded. It's recorded. So we have two more things each to talk about. So let's make the third one kind of quick, but then we'll talk about our joy moments, okay. which um, we can talk a little longer Yay. on because those are, those are kind of really important moments to us personally. Yeah. Hopefully. Unless you brought complete trash with you and then forget it. Oh, hold on. Give, Let me just give it no thoughts. I have to this. do a little bit of work. No, I know yours. Yeah. And it was, I contemplated picking the same thing, but we'll get to that. What's your third? My third uh, thing from 2023 that I absolutely adored was, uh, and I don't mean to be a company man here, but the Fellowship Film Fest, the, the inaugural Fellowship Film Fest that we hosted here at the United Theater kicked whole butt. It, it ruled. Um, so if you were not uh, lucky enough to join us for the Fellowship Film Festival. Three sold out showings. It, three sold out showings of uh, Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King. Um, on December 7th, 14th, and 21st. It was truly epic, and I hate using that word, but I, I'm, I'm using it, and, I'm, and I mean it. Uh, it was fabulous. The amount of people that showed up who were here for every single one, I actually ran into one of the, one of the people who came with his, um, with his son, uh, was also here just earlier this week, and I said, hey, were you at the Fellowship Film Fest? And he was like, yeah, and we kind of like shook hands, and... Um, and I'm just really excited that we started this with such an amazing amount of support. And it makes me incredibly excited for what it might look like next year. People loved it. Our, our last podcast episode yep. was about this particular topic and whether the Lord of the Rings trilogy can classify as a holiday tradition mm -hmm. or you know, a Christmas movie or whatever you want to call it. And this was the test. And we, we kind of we kind of did like a quick poll of the audience at the beginning of Two Towers mm -hmm. to say, hey, if we made this an annual thing, would you guys be into it? Would you come back? And it, it was like a rousing yes. Yeah. So it is a tradition. The, the, the answer to the question, to the premise was, yes, it worked. Because uh, who the hell does not want to see these movies on the big screen? Yeah. I also wanted to put this down. Um, partly because I wanted to see if I could pressure Tony to do some Hobbit movies. Mm. Uh, uh, uh. Uh -oh. Hobbit movies are, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this offline. <laughs> but uh, More I to come, more to come. was here for uh, all three. It was amazing. A, a couple people dressed up, which was a lot of fun. And it just seemed like everybody who came was so excited to be here. And they came every week. And this is, this, these were the three weeks before Christmas. It's a very busy time for people. Yep. 
And guess what? They carved out their Thursday night three weeks in a row for it. That's amazing. All right, Misty, what's your number three? Uh, so my number three, I'm going to keep it quick, uh, is Leave the World Behind. Um, it was produced, by, like, the executive producers were the Obamas on this. And it has gotten so much political hate. This is the Julia Roberts movie yeah. on Netflix. I have not watched this yet. I'm so intrigued by the this The Obamas movie. were EPs? Yeah. The Obamas are EPs on a ton of Netflix Really? Stuff. Yes, and people don't realize that. One Piece, they, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm ready to go if we're talking about that again. Um, <laughs> so a lot of people were angry about it. And you'll see a bunch of hate comments. And no, they're not deserved at all. Leave the about the movie about the, the premise movie, yeah. of the movie. Okay. Um, the movie is terrifying. It gave me goosebumps. I, it, it was scary. Mm-hmm. It was genuinely a very scary, realistic movie. And a lot of people want to know, like, well, if the Obamas, like, are EPs, what are, they, oh, what are they trying to tell us? Is something gonna happen? Oh my god! What's happening? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And I think that's one of the best parts of the movie. Julia Roberts, like, I love her. I've seen everything she's in, and it hurt to watch her in this movie. It's Julia oh, no. Roberts, Ethan No, 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 in a good because way. Of, because of, like, the role she was playing. Yeah, because of the role she's playing. And this is Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, Mahershala Ali, Kevin Bacon, pretty... St- 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. That's awesome. This has I, been on my list for weeks now, and we've gone to watch it, my partner and I, like, three times, but then something happens and we, we haven't. So now, now I'm going to have to sit down with this movie this weekend. Oh, yeah. Misty's Picks. Misty's Picks. It's a really good movie. Um, I liked it. I want everyone to watch it and awesome. cry. You've com- you've yeah, you've convinced me. I'm definitely gonna watch it. So my third is a, a musical pick. And um mm. I wanted to throw a musical pick in there because that's a big part of what we do here. And and um I'm a huge music fan. I love making uh playlists and uh, I used to be a DJ a long time ago. DJ TNT. TNT DJs. That's amazing. Yeah. I think we need Tony to DJ an event. I think you're right. Yeah. Playlist creation is- He actually kind of has. I have yeah. by, by creating playlists. Yeah. Playlist creation is one of my favorite, most, um, it's it's kind of my- It's a love like, language of yours. It's like my spirituality is like making a playlist. I mean, I made playlists when I started dating my partner. We made playlists for each other and Aww. we still listen to them all and build them. We're continuing this one that we've been building for over a year and it's I love that. So I love exploring new music and I love listening to all types of music and I've long been a curmudgeon about country music. I really have. Um, but this year- I went to a I went to a music festival and there was a country singer um, that headlined and he was okay, but um, the people we went with introduced me to some other new country music. So Zach Bryan released this new album this year, which is a, it, the whole album is great. But the the key song and I think I don't know where it stands on Billboard, but it is one of the most popular songs also of 2023. It's called "I Remember Everything." It's a song he did with Casey Musgraves. Uh, I played it so much that it was um it was like of course number one on my Spotify Unwrapped. Um, my kids were like, "Why the hell are you playing this country <laughs> music? This is terrible." Now they're fans of Zach Bryan, which is proof that you can just play something so much that it's going to like get in someone's head to the point of changing their entire opinion. It went to number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, it's a really good. That's song. wild. I'm I love Casey Musgraves. I always have. Sure. Um, but this is like a really good kind of sad, but like well-written, I, I don't know. There's something about it that clicked for me. 
and I became a fan. And that song, I remember everything, is, is absolutely one of my favorite things of 2023. Have you found that your enjoyment of that song has led you to enjoy other country artists? It really has, um, especially some adjacent artists to him. Um, I did end up listening to more Casey Musgraves. I, I didn't give her last album much listen until I would listen to this song, and I was like, I'm going to dive back in. Fantastic album. Noah Kahan, um, or Noah Khan. It's I, I Noah never, Khan. It's Noah Khan. Yeah. I, I never know how to pronounce this You want right. to take it again? Noah Khan. Uh, yeah, Noah Khan was another one that I started listening to, and I listened to a lot. Again, these are, they're just, they're songs that just click with me, and, you know, and then I've listened to some country where I'm like, this is, it's still complete garbage, but yeah, it, it opened my horizons, and, and I'm glad for it. There is some uh, really good country that that is coming out that I I see a lot of it on TikTok, so I don't like know any of these people's names, but like I think that there is a good amount of country that is getting made right now. It might not be that popular, but I'm uh, growing up. I'm from Missouri, and I listened to uh, my mom would always play Patsy Cline. So I'm a huge Patsy Cline. And that's Klein. real raw country. Like Johnny Cash, Patsy Cline, Loretta Lynn. Like those are oh, classic. Yes. Dolly Parton. Yeah. That's great music. Yes. And but, but the pop the pop version of country that came to be in the last like 10 years or so, mm -hmm. that's where I tapped out. Yep. But yeah. we're, we're getting back to that. Yeah. Your Missouri roots there. I so, love it. But you give me shit every time I play any of this music in here. You kind of give me some shade. <laughs> Because yeah. we share an office. Yeah. I think that just means that I like you, though. Okay. Well, now that I know that, I'm going to play a lot more of this music. I don't know if how well the two of you know this, but downstairs for your front of house, we play uh, Noah Khan and um, Zach Bryan often. Oh, wow. They're, yeah. Because they're, it's good. It's good. It good is. music. Yeah. I yeah. was also raised on country music. I'm a huge, huge Dolly Parton fan, for oh, those yeah. who know, know. Um, I also really like Shania Twain. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, Miley Cyrus's country music is yes. unironically amazing, but she's like Dolly Parton's uh, yeah, goddaughter. goddaughter. Yeah, so that, I mean, that how could you not be coming from that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there she was born with a cigarette in her mouth, right? Yeah. <laughs> she sounds like it a little in a bit sequin that. cowboy hat. She had surgery. Really? Did yeah. She? she had to get throat surgery, and they weren't sure if she was going to be able to sing again. That's why her voice is different. It's got a smoky. It's got a smokiness. Honestly, it. I love it. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, aged, a aged in bourbon barrels, that, that <laughs> voice of hers. All right, let's jump to the, the fun part now. Um, this is the moment that I asked each of you to come with that is like a specific moment or thing that brought you personal joy. So you watch this or listen to this or consume this media or this clip or this character and it brought you joy. It, it, it made you feel things good things mm. and i want to hear what those things are and and how it made you feel and i because i think it's funny that at the start of last year um i joked around with my partner and i said uh i don't make new year's resolutions but i'm gonna dub 2023 the year of joy because for me personally it was a year of of change and transformation and new things and it was that and i love this concept of joy and like finding joy i know i sound kind of like oprah right now I don't mean to, but I do, I do love 
looking at the things we enjoy and, and finding why we enjoy that and what it is that resonates with us, but thinking more about that. Um, so that's why I asked this question. And I think it's a fun thing I want to continue to do throughout the year on the podcast once a month is, is talk about the things that are, are bringing you joy and happiness in that moment in the media world, because that's why it exists. That's why we watch movies, watch TV shows, listen to music to help us feel or to help us understand our emotions. Um, so yeah. And give you outside perspective. Totally. Totally. So let's start with you, Lee. Mm -hmm. And joy, uh, first of all, like, let's start by saying, um, it doesn't, we all define joy a little differently too, you know? It could be a really sad scene or a sad thing or a happy thing. So I hope you guys think about that as you talk about these things. Um, well, my moment of joy, uh, well, just kind of overarching, you know, 2023, uh, I mean, all, these past, you know, couple years have been pretty tough on everybody. Um, and, uh, finding little moments of, um, of peace have been sometimes difficult, but when they do come, you meet them with gratefulness and, uh, with gratitude and, and you try to like really, at least I try to sit in my emotions when they come. So I was watching, uh, the last of us in, um, which came out in January. Wow. It's always, it's already been a year. Um, but the last of us dropped in, uh, in January of 2023 and it mirrors a lot of the, uh, the things that people were at least going through emotionally with feeling disconnected or feeling alone. Um, and obviously, you know, dealing with the pandemic, uh, even the echoes of, of, um, of when it was really bad. But, um, I was watching this show and, and can we can we just say for, for sure. people who don't know that are listening, The Last of Us is a uh, on HBO is a zombie show. Yeah, it's post apocalyptic based, based on a video game series. Um mm -hmm. starring Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, um uh and it uh it's very bleak at times and very raw. And I think the third episode it kind of um like it, the the main story revolves around Pedro Pascal. Um, it is a what's the word? Um, Lone wolf and cub story. Yeah, totally. Um, he is guiding this young girl to a location, and they have to cross the United States. And so, a lot of it is just them two and interplay between them and the environment, or other people who are also trying to survive in their own way. And episode three is just a complete 90 degree turn to uh, uh something that we don't we don't know the you know there's just a random story where there is um a guy who is a survivalist um you know a lot uh, he's probably uh, he's a libertarian he's got a bunch of guns in his basement he's played by Ron Swanson mm -hmm. uh Nick Offerman um and he's alone and he um through happenstance, uh, a, a guy is wandering through the woods, falls into one of his traps, and then they end up having this um, experience together and experiencing the world and, and being lonely together. And 
and there is this incredible scene where they eventually do uh they they begin to cohabitate they fall in love and um and then within this uh just an incredible amount of turmoil and <laughs> you know the world is broken and and um bill um played Murray by Bartlett. Oh, Frank, sorry. Frank, Frank played by Murray Bartlett um planted some strawberry seeds and he brings Bill played by Nick Offerman over to the strawberry patch and they have this lovely quiet moment where the world doesn't exist and it's just Bill and Frank and some strawberries and a moment of sweetness and a moment of tenderness and a moment of love and it makes me emotional to talk about it. it makes me emotional to think about it but it was just such a such an amazing um uh metaphor for what a lot of people have been feeling and what I may have been feeling at that time as well or what anybody could be feeling at any time of of feeling alone in a world that you may think doesn't care about you but these moments that you can share with the people who love you and that you love makes life worth living and there's this one line that breaks my heart where Nick Offerman says I I was never scared before I met you and it's such a powerful moment that episode of that show I mean it is a bleak show mm-hmm. um and and I played the game and it it follows a lot of the game the show mm-hmm. and the game is not it's not what you think of traditionally when you think of a video game it's a very it's a very deep beautiful game as well there's moments in it that are just amazing that stand out as all-time moments in a video game mm. this is a none of this is in the game those characters are in it for a second yeah but then you leave them and that happens with so many shows you get introduced to these side characters for a moment or an episode yep. or a part of an episode and then you don't know what happens to them so the the creators of the show took these two characters and said all right we're gonna we're gonna this whole episode's going to be about them. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's not going to be a moment about them. We're going to follow them yeah. all the way through the arc of their entire life from this point on. And they yeah. do. The episode is like a movie basically about these two characters. It spans like 10, 15 years. It does. It's a, it's a departure from the plot in the series in a way, but it's not a departure in the heart of the show about why humanity, why why fight to keep, humanity alive in this like zombie apocalypse yeah um it was the most grounding way to do that and i, I think as far as television episodes go it was an all-timer yeah like, one of the best episodes of television of any television ever and the performance of of offerman and bartlett um as these two men in love amidst the world ending it it could have been played so it could have been played. Flippantly. It could have, it, yeah, and it could have also been over dramatic and, and all kinds of things. That, and they could have taken the familiar route of like killing them off in like some really horrible way, but they don't. They let them play out. They let them live their lives on their terms, mm-hmm. and they show it. And it, so the strawberry scene is the pinnacle of it for sure. But yeah. that entire episode, amazing, stunning. I mean, really beautiful writing Mm -hmm. i love the writing of this show i cried during that scene oh god God. every Um, if you didn't cry during that scene 
What's wrong with you? You, you need pulse to, checked. Yeah, you need to. You might be dead. Yeah, exactly. It's it's impossible not to. It felt like such an earned, like watching the show and seeing every, like all of the horribleness and just how ugly the world has become. It yeah. just felt so earned. And I love when you get that. Because for any sort of zombie movie or TV show, they they it's always kind of messy with script writing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is like has learned from the past of totally. previous zombie movies. And I love the script writing. I think it's phenomenal. The scenes are always great. The pacing is amazing. Mm-hmm. But it it is a hard watch. Yeah. It's Especially. a hard watch. The whole show is a hard watch. Yeah. Um, but really worthwhile to recommend 100%. Big time. Can't yeah. wait till season two. All right, Misty, what is your joyous moment of 2023? <laughs> so uh, I, I agree with you both. I, I feel like 2023 was hard for a lot of people, but um, it became really good. Like personally, I feel like I've had a lot of growth and unlearning things. Um, this past year has been crazy and I told myself going into 2024 is going to be more positive. Um, so it was funny that you're like, talk about like something that made you really happy. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. I can do that. Um, good news. <laughs> a good way to start the year. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So I grew up with horror, mm. like as a huge part of my childhood, I went to my first haunted house at like six months old. And I remember going to like my grandmother's house every week watching a horror movie. Like it was just since birth do. to now, yeah. That's awesome. So to me, horror is just every day. It's just common. It's just part of it. Um, it's a big thing in my life. And one of the movies that I fell in love with was it's called Hell House LLC, and it came out like years ago. Mm. And the fourth edition came out this year, and I didn't know there was a fourth one coming out. And when I found out, it was just amazing because. With how COVID has been and everything, it's like kind of hard to schedule with your friends yeah. and figure things out. And I got very lucky with my living situation. And during like a random day where everybody was able to get together, I was like, well, why don't we watch Hell House LLC? I've heard some good things. Check it out. We watched it like, I don't know, maybe 12 times in one month because of how much we loved it. And then we found the rest and we just watched all of them. So it was a really good coming together moment. Yeah. Um. And it was great to learn more information about it, like the fact that all four of them are found footage. And normally I would never suggest found footage, but they handle it. The first one is amazing and great. And then the other two, they're funny. Uh, This fourth one is surprising because it was so unexpected. And the creator of it wants to move forward and coming out with more. And that makes me really happy Mm. uh, because it means my friends and I get to continuously enjoy this. Yeah. It's more it's than like, just a movie. It's like uh, it's a it's a thing that you're sharing with. It's like the, the Lord of the Rings. The most exactly we're yeah. talking about. It's the exactly. same thing. It's collective communal viewing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 finding you know it's finding the the fire to gather around, and the fire to gather around is that piece of media. Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. I mean that's that's the beauty of media. That's why we that's why we all kind of work in. That's this the world. beauty of stories, man. Like it is. you could bring that to the dawn of the dawn of time. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that has brought people together forever has just been sharing tales, exactly. <laughs> songs and, 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 and stories, mm-hmm. yeah. hymnals, everything. So my, my pick of joy is also uh, a TV show moment, I guess. Um, the, the show, the bear on FX mm. um, had its mm. second season this year. And 
I will tell you, if you know this, if you've watched this show, um, that second season had some of the hardest episodes, one in particular, which was a, a flashback Christmas episode where Jamie Lee Curtis starred as, as the mom of the, of the main characters of the show, and she's an alcoholic, and it was like a really, a, a really hard, it was, it was the opposite of joy. Watching this was kind of traumatic, especially you know for people, if, if you've had people or moments in your life that you could relate that episode to, it was a really hard watch. So many people, friends, family were saying like, oh, you have to watch this, but be careful. Mm. Uh, it's going to gut you. Um, so, and it did. Um, so it was a season with a lot of those moments. But then there's, there's, there's a character in the show uh, named Richie. He's the cousin of, of the main character. He's a guy who, tr- he, he tries hard to, um, I, gu- I guess he tries hard to be a part of things. He's not the smartest guy. Insecure. He's very insecure. You learn that his, um, you know, his wife left him. He has uh, a a daughter, and he's struggling to be a good father. You learn all of these things throughout the episodes, and you get to the point where you're like, this this guy might be the most interesting character on the show. We all know people like that. He's mm-hmm. kind of an everyman in some way, um, but he's failing. He keeps failing, and he keeps kind of you know, shooting himself in the foot. And in the season, you watch him find something and find a path that suits him and lean into it and find himself in the work that he's doing. And watching that arc of this character, um, especially amidst all of the tension and turmoil and hard stuff in the show, was a beautiful thing to watch. It's the writing on this show, the acting, everything, it's so perfect. Yeah. Um, it's so relatable and real, too. I mean, if you've worked in the restaurant industry, I'm told it's the most realistic thing you can ever watch. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's oh, it's traumatic. Traumatic <laughs> as can be. But um, when you can find a character to latch onto amid, amidst the trauma like that and, and see them succeed or find themselves and find joy themselves, it, it's it's a wonderful thing to watch, especially like you said, as we're all going through our own things this yeah. year, we're all trying to find ourselves. I mean, that's that's the human story. We're all trying to figure out who we are, where we fit. So I think the writing of this character this season and watching him finally get there was just, I really enjoyed that. It brought me joy. It made me happy. It made me feel like, especially again, amidst mm-hmm. all the craziness of the show, it was like a glimmer of hope, and I think that was intentional. I think it was written that way intentionally. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, strawberry scene and that Richie thing mm-hmm. are probably the the moments that I remember watching with the most catharsis and thinking, "Oh my god, I feel this." Oh yeah, and that's again, it's the beauty of of why we why we watch, why we talk about this stuff, why we have a podcast where we're sharing these stories and why people listen to people share these stories because we all want to find that collective thing that kind of binds us and and makes it all, makes all of us the same. And what better way to do that than the movies or TV. So that's, that's it. That was my moment of joy. These are all great. Um, We were going to intend, like I said, to talk about our three things we're each looking forward to in 2024 
We definitely ran out of time. We went long here. So we're going to hold that off and we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about that. So I think that's a good point to leave. Misty, can you join us next week? I can join you next week and I might just talk about more anime. uh, Well, I'm going to look for another... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Lee, can you join us again? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, (laughs) good luck finding me. So stay tuned next week. We'll be back. We're going to be talking 2024... We're going to be looking forward at movies, TV, and anime, apparently. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. So thank you for listening. Happy New Year. We hope your 2023 was full of joy, and we hope your 2024 is full of more joy and maybe a little grace. Thanks for listening to Box Office Culture. Lee, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Misty, thank you for being a first-time guest. Thanks for asking. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in to the United Theatre Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And if you could take a moment to leave a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Your feedback helps us create content that you love. So hit that subscribe button and leave us a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.